Let me start this with a few interesting and important statements. And that will then be followed by a couple of quiz questions and a tricky one also. So first of all, Narendra Modi has done a phenomenal job of repositioning Brand India globally. I repeat, Narendra Modi has done a phenomenal job of repositioning Brand India globally. How does it work? It follows that India does what it wants and it stays kosher. For example, Russia is globally sanctioned but India trades freely with Russia. Not just that, India buys Russian oil at cheap prices, then converts this into finished products at its big refineries and sells it back to Western powers in the process. In the process, India makes money and Russia also makes money. So India also benefits its former ally and friend, you can call it patron if you so wish, Russia. Who else can do it? India can do it. Next, two military superpowers in the world, that is America and Russia, both count India as their ally, ally, friend, whatever you call it. Next, look at India's economy. India's foreign exchange reserves were 9.2 billion in 1992. They came to 100 billion in 2004. That is when, that is when Bajpayee government handed over to Manmohan Singh government, the UPA. UPA government then took it to $252 billion in 2014. Now it's 600. Actually, it's 561 at this point. But whoever has made this statement has said 600, which was the peak just a while back, just, just until a while back. Next, whether you like India or not, you have to now accept the fact that this century in the world will be defined by two Asian powers. That is India and China or China and India, if you prefer to put it that way, I'd say India and China. And now we are coming to trickier areas. So next point, the gap between India and Pakistan is now unbridgeable. India has left Pakistan so far behind. The gap between India and Pakistan is now unbridgeable. India has now broken free of its hyphenation with Pakistan. Remember there was a time until not long ago when India used to keep telling the Americans, don't hyphenate us with Pakistan. Dehyphenate your foreign policy towards the region, towards the subcontinent. Whoever has written this, this person is saying that India has broken free of hyphenation with Pakistan. And next point, Pakistan is just a footnote in this Indian script. Pakistan is just a footnote in this Indian script. And finally, this is the 10th of the 10 points that I picked up for you, 10 tricky points, because I will now ask you my quiz questions. Number 10, India has outmaneuvered Pakistan on Article 370. Whatever India had to do in Kashmir, India has done and Pakistan is not, has not been able to counter it or to do anything about it so far. That's my interpretation. That is not what this person has written. Now, let me ask you the first question, which is a simpler one. And if you say you don't know or you haven't read this, I will accept that. So the first question is, who do you think has written this, right? Good question, but first question, simple question. If you say I don't know, uh, doesn't matter. I'll ask you the next question. Which country do you think that the author who's written this belongs to? So it doesn't matter if you don't know who the person is or which country the person is from. So let me ask you the third question. Do you think this has been written by an Indian patriot? Chances are that most of us will say, most of you will say, of course, statements like these Modi has repositioned brand India like this. India can do anything in the world. India can trade with Russia. Nobody complains. The, the two 
preeminent military superpowers count India as an ally. India's foreign exchange has gone from this to this. In this while, whereas Pakistan's has come down to $4.5 billion. Again, India has outmaneuvered Pakistan on Article 370. Uh, India has reduced Pakistan into a, into a footnote in its story. India has dehyphenated itself from Pakistan. Obviously, an Indian patriot would have written it. This was the tricky part, and I have to also handle it very, very sensitively. Because these lines, these views have not been written by an Indian patriot. These have been written by a Pakistani patriot. So who's this Pakistani patriot? It's Shahzad Chaudhary. Shahzad Chaudhary retired as an Air Vice Marshal in Pakistan Air Force. He writes a column for Express Tribune in Pakistan, and I'm quoting from his latest column. What is he writing? What is he writing? He's not somebody who wants to make enemies in Pakistan. He's also not self-flagellating. He's a very smart mind, very good mind, a true Pakistani patriot, a soldier, as much as much of a Pakistani patriot as any of us might be an Indian patriot. What he's listing is what might be good for Pakistan. He's holding up the mirror to Pakistan and to his fellow Pakistanis. He's telling them where they've gone wrong with their politics, with their ideology-driven policy and their own sense of how important they are. And he's doing it by using this shock tactics of reminding them of how far India has gone ahead and how far India has left them behind. So I will give you some more details of what he's saying. And after that, this will be a slightly unusual episode of Karta Clutter because I might also give you a couple of minutes of opinion of my own. So he says, he starts by saying, if I were Henry Kissinger, I would write a treatise on India. Remember, Henry Kissinger wrote that on China. You can see the jacket of that book on your screens. Then he says, while he explains that Modi has done a marvelous job of repositioning India, etc., etc., India does what it wants and it stays kosher. But then he goes on to say, he goes on to also berate his also fellow Pakistanis and Pakistani policymakers, where he says, look, we on the other hand, the Pakistanis indulge in our doublespeak. We keep on vilifying the US, the Americans in public, in our public discourse. But at the same time, we whinge when the Americans cozy up to India. So we want America's attention. We want, want America to continue to be friends with us because America was always friends with Pakistan. And Pakistan and America had a very special relationship. So we, we want that relationship. We, we don't like it that the Americans and the Indians are coming closer. I'm now analyzing what he's saying. At the same time, our public discourse is built around attacking and abusing America. Then while he repeatedly keeps on asking his fellow Pakistanis to wake up, to smell what they need to smell or to read the leaves that they need to read. To read. And he says, why is India doing so much better? India is doing so much better because India has got that one attribute that Pakistan today doesn't. And that attribute is relevance. And from where does that relevance come? He says, India is relevant to the world because it's the fifth largest economy, will likely be the third largest by 2037. In fact, many in India would believe this will happen faster. Also, it has massive foreign exchange reserves. He says 600 billion, as I told you, it's about 567 right now. Pakistan, on the other hand, has $4.5 billion only. India has the second largest army in the world, third largest military. It may not be the most modern, he says. But it's modernizing fast. 
Then he says, agriculture to information technology. India is now a global power. India's per hectare yields in many crops compare internationally with the best yields. Now, that may or may not be true because over time, yields have gone up in many countries for many products. But in some products, that may still be true. Also, that India has been relatively stable in spite of its 1.4 billion population. That's the important thing. And why? He points out to contrast with Pakistan. He says that India has held on to its anchors that solidify the nation, that things are not perfect in India. A lot of things have gone wrong. But the basic anchors, the institutions that solidify the nation, those have remained intact. He doesn't say so. But the implication is that that isn't quite the case with Pakistan. Now he points out the issues that he might have with India. He says in India, Mr. Modi has built this very Hindu-centric definition of Indian nationalism. This is a government of the nationalist right, but that also seems to be the trend worldwide. So it is not bringing him particular opprobrium internationally because too many countries are doing that right now. Then he says, look at the Islamic world. Saudi Arabia is now investing $72 billion in India. Whereas we in Pakistan, that is what Shahzad Chaudhary says, we in Pakistan are still pleading with the Saudis at least to invest the $7 billion here. That's an Islamic country, a brotherly country for Pakistan. Pakistan has had a patron-client relationship with that country for a very long time. My words, not Shahzad Chaudhary's. Please don't blame him for this. At the same time, the same country is investing a lot more in India and happily so without India having to plead for it. Again, my words. Then, then he says, this century, as we know, will be defined by two Asian powers, India and China. And he said, and we know that in India and China have their issues. And he also underlines the fact that in Pakistan, people tend to celebrate that. And people tend to play China against India to say that, oh, China, our pal, China, our, our partner, they are adversaries of India. Indians are weaker than China. All of these are my words. I'm interpreting what he's saying. But he says that we celebrate the fact that we have our relationship with China and India and China have hostility. But remember, India and China have burgeoning trade in spite of everything. And they've also figured out a situation where even when they have clashes, they have clashes with sticks and things like that, with lattes and things like that. So they keep it below a certain escalation level. So while he does talk about India-China trade, what he doesn't underline and I would do it for his sake as well, is that in spite of whatever problems India and China have, in spite of all the maramari that goes on on the line of actual control, China is actually a huge beneficiary in terms of trade with keeping some sort of normalcy with India. In fact, you will see a story on the print and I will share a link with you by Pia Krishnan Kuti, my colleague, that this calendar year 2022, for the first time, India's trade deficit with China has crossed $100 billion. It's not trade. Trade has crossed $135 billion. Deficit is $100 billion. So if in a trade of $135 billion, you have a deficit of $100 billion, you can see you are exporting very little to China, whereas the Chinese are exporting a lot to you. So what this does is, this gives the Chinese a humongous vested interest in keeping some kind of stability with India, or at least keeping the conflict below a certain threshold level. It's also beneficial to India because India is not importing from China uh, stuff that we don't need. Most of the stuff that's being imported from China is stuff that Indian industry 
particularly Indian manufacturing needs really badly and it's available cheap. So that symbiotic relationship exists between India and China and that is also something that ensures stability between the two countries in spite of the problems that exist. And he says, look, India is still by and large a secular country. We know that there are many problems. It's not a perfect secular country and there are many challenges, but the constitution is secular. He also says India can be arrogant and haughty sometimes triggering aversion, but the fact is that they've managed their international positioning and their international relationships very well. In fact, in Indian foreign policy, he notes Pakistan is very rarely mentioned now. It's almost as if India has moved on and Pakistan, Pakistan no longer matters in their national, diplomatic and strategic discourse. So what is the way forward for Pakistan that he suggests? He says Pakistan must recalibrate policy towards India, which means calming things down with India and also work on a tri-nation consensus between Pakistan, China and India to build a tri-nation consensus that becomes a driving force in global economy. Now you might say, if you're on the Indian side, oh, this is wishful thinking, stay out of what's happening between big boys. But you know, you can always choose to be arrogant or you can choose to be humble or you can choose to be realistic. That's a choice that a nation makes. I'd rather make the choice of being realistic. So he says, work on this tri-nation consensus. That alone will turn geoeconomics. He's showing Pakistan the way that Pakistan's future is not in continuing military or ideological confrontation with India, but he says it's in geoeconomics. For that, Pakistan has to improve its relationship with India as well. So geoeconomics, then he says, quoting him now, this alone, he says, will turn geoeconomics into a strategy for Pakistan or be reduced to a footnote in history. So he uses the word footnote twice. One, once he says, India has reduced Pakistan to a footnote in its story. And second, he says, unless Pakistan gets its act together, cleans up its view on India and its neighborhood, and also gets a more realistic understanding of where it belongs in today's world, it risks being reduced to a footnote in history. Now, as I had promised you in the very beginning, just a minute or two of opinion from my side as well. Look, to be a patriot doesn't mean you always praise your government. You can be a patriot while being totally opposed to the policies of your government. To be a patriot, you don't have to always go with the establishment. You can question the establishment. And the establishment doesn't only have to be the government of the day or, or the ruling party of the day. The establishment in this case can also be the dominant ideology of your nation. So if you find flaws with that, if you think that your country is going the way of hubris, your government is losing its way, your country is losing its way, your people are getting delusional, your people are not seeing the reality and they need to be given a reality check and you are willing to do so even at the risk of facing wide popular opprobrium. Because if you say such a thing, immediately there will, will be a pushback, there will be a blowback. If you do that, then you are a person of courage and you are a patriot as well. And that is what Shahzad Chaudhary has proven to be. See, see, for example, in contrast, if any of us were to write here that, look, India has to be realistic, the chances of getting excited in back or the chances of getting Pakistan-occupied Kashmir back are very, very dim, if existent at all. They are probably non-existent, given the way the world is, 
that irredentism of this kind has never benefited any country. Can you imagine the kind of blowback that will bring? But if somebody does that with good intentions, I would still say that's an act of courage and that's an act of patriotic courage because patriotism means that you must be able to hold the mirror to your own, to yourself and also to your fellow compatriots. And he was by no means a Jholawala peacenik or a, or a peacetime general. He actually commanded Pakistan Air Force in the eastern sector in 1971 war and with just one squadron of fighter planes, one squadron of sabers gave Indian Air Force quite a tough time. In fact, even till the last day, till the surrender, his planes were taking off and engaging Indian aircraft in combat place. He was able to get a lot of his people to escape from East Pakistan then into Burma then and, and, and survive. He was among those who served time in an Indian POW camp after the surrender and then rose to become the chief of air staff in Pakistan, also served as Pakistan's ambassador in Washington. A wonderful man, again a wonderful, brilliant Pakistani patriot, but with his heart in the right place. And similarly, there was Major General Mahmood Durrani who rose to become National Security Advisor of Pakistan. I used to be on some track to groups with him. And there were many conversations where you could see a genuine Pakistani soldier. He had fought like hell in the 1965 war in the Sialkot sector, in the toughest battles. He was a tank person. He had also been one of the instructors of General Musharraf. At the same time, he now wanted peace with India, not because he did not believe in his country, but because he thought he believed that this would be good for his country, that peace will be good for both India and Pakistan. And, and you know what happened in Pakistan? A lot of the right-wing media in Pakistan then began to dismiss him as General Shanti, as if, as if that was an abuse. So he was the National Security Advisor when 26-11 took place. And you might remember that is when Asif Zardari, who was the President of Pakistan, he offered to send his NSA to India to reassure India and also for sharing information. And that's when the Pakistani army or the powers that be intervened did not allow him to come and soon enough after that he lost his job. Again, a true Pakistani, a true patriotic Pakistani with his heart at the right place. Also, his mind working independently and sensibly and not, not toxified by any ideology.